I want you to take your Bibles or your apps, and today we're going to be in Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. Now, if you're not sure where the book of Luke is located, if you're in a physical Bible, what I would encourage you to do is open up to the table of contents. There you'll find that the Bible is broken up into two main sections, the Old and the New Testament. Luke is the third book of that second section, the New Testament. So find the New Testament, find the book of Luke, turn there and go to chapter 12. If you're in an app, what I would encourage you to do is open up the list of books of the Bible, scroll down, you'll find that Luke is about two thirds of the way down that list. You'll find it uh, coupled with a, a group of four names, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So Luke is right there in the middle of that. So find Luke and turn to chapter 12. Now, this is the Sunday after Thanksgiving, and I hope and pray, uh, even in the midst of this crazy season, that you had a blessed uh, Thanksgiving holiday, whether with family or, or maybe you had to do family at a distance and maybe you called them or, or did an online uh, video call with them. But one way or the other, I hope and pray that you had a blessed Thanksgiving. Uh, and I hope that you're still enjoying leftovers. Leftovers are one of my favorite parts of the Thanksgiving holiday is getting to eat that great food uh, for days after Thanksgiving has actually passed. Now, Thanksgiving has always been a, a huge holiday for my family. Uh, when my dad was still alive, food was a big deal to my dad. And he would spend uh, all the day before and that night uh, slow smoking a turkey. And my mom would just make all this food. We would have tons of desserts. Uh, we have a, I have a big family. So, so on Thanksgiving Day, this huge group of people would, would converge onto my parents' house. And we would eat and laugh and joke. We would play with the kids and the dogs outside. We'd lay around uh, after eating more food than any person should ever eat in one sitting. And we would lay around with our pants unbuttoned and watch football and take a nap. I just, Thanksgiving was such a huge thing for my family and it still is in many ways. Uh, and I enjoyed it. Uh, I never had to worry as a child about whether or not we were going to have food on the table on Thanksgiving. Uh, that thought never even crossed my mind. I never thought, oh, I wonder if we're going to have food this year. Because my dad always guaranteed that there would be a feast. He always made sure that there was food on the table. And I didn't have to worry about that as a kid. And, but most of all, my dad made a point to make sure that our needs were met. But he also made a point to teach us what really mattered. Uh, things to help us become good, responsible adults growing up. And he taught me a good work ethic. He taught me how to be, uh, have good character and how to be honest. Um, and so he taught me the deeper things of life. And part of the reason he was able to do that is because I never had to worry about the, the, the more minor things, like making sure that there was food on the table. Uh, food on the table is important, don't, don't misunderstand me, but how we get the food and our work ethic and uh, how we view the world around us and meeting the needs of others, those things are so much more important than the food itself. And my dad made sure that that was a key element to us growing up in this household. So 
Jesus actually addresses that today. And so I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Luke 12. We're going to begin in verse 22 today. Now, as you're turning there, let me just kind of give you a little background on what Jesus has just spoken about, what he's taught about. He's in the midst of a crowd. He's been teaching. And somebody in the crowd yells out, Jesus, make my brother share the inheritance with me. And Jesus is like, why am I supposed to be the judge over things like this? There there are bigger things. And then he goes into telling a parable. Uh, And this parable is about a rich man who has a huge crop one year. He's very wealthy, and he's trying to figure out what to do with all of this wealth, all of this food that he's got. And he decides, you know what? I'm going to tear down all my storage barns, and I'm going to build bigger ones, and I'm going to have so much wealth. I'm going to have so many uh, things. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have so much collateral. I'm going to have all this food, all this wealth, this guarantee that I'll be taken care of. And then God says, oh, you fool, because today your life is going to be taken. And then who's going to end up with all of that wealth, all of that accumulation? Instead, you should have built up your treasures in heaven. And so that's what Jesus has just taught on. And then he moves into verse 22. So I want you to read with me. We're going to read verses 22 through 31. So read with me. So Jesus said to his disciples, therefore, I tell you. So keep in mind, Jesus has said, therefore, in verse 22. Anytime in the Bible where you see the word therefore or because of or something along those lines, we need to keep in mind what was said just previous to what he's about to say. So that's why I gave you the background of the parable he's just spoken about. So keep in mind, he has just taught a parable that teaches us that we're not supposed to be as concerned about making wealth in the, in the world today, but our concern should be about building wealth in eternity. So Come back to this, verse 22. And he said to the disciples, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat and about your body and what you will put on. For life is more than food and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn. And yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these." But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you're to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows what you need. Instead, seek his kingdom. And these things will be added to you. 
Man, what a beautiful teaching. Don't be anxious. Don't worry. God's got you taken care of. But let's unpack this for a second. Jesus tells us that living life is so much more than worrying about food and clothes. He says people think, that's fine, Jesus, but I need to put food on the table. And Jesus addresses that in verses 25 and 26. Jesus says this, he says, and which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you're not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? You see, he's pointing out the struggle that we as humans deal with, this struggle between worrying and trusting. We constantly struggle with whether we should trust God completely or we should worry about the things of this world. And he makes the point, who by worrying is going to add a single hour to their lives? What good does worrying do? You sit up at night and you can't go to sleep because you're worried about something. How does that help you? It doesn't. As a matter of fact, it's a known fact scientifically that worrying actually decreases your lifespan. The stress that you bring on by being worrisome and anxious, that can actually shorten your life because the stress adds things to your body. It produces hormones and it puts a strain on our, our organs and on our brain and it actually causes us to die sooner. And so Jesus makes a beautiful point that later science will confirm that worrying does not add to your life. It actually takes away from your life. So we constantly struggle between trusting and worrying. Should I trust God with this? Or do I need to hold on to the control that I think I have? And that brings me to today's big idea. If you've ever listened to one of my messages, you know that most of the time I give a big idea and it's a, a simple statement that kind of summarizes that week's message. And today's big idea is this, filling ourselves with trust leaves no room for worry or greed. You know, you probably on Thursday filled yourself with something. I know that I filled myself with so much food that I was borderline miserable the, the rest of the day. You, you know that feeling when you fill yourself with so much food? It was great, but then you go, oh, maybe I shouldn't have eaten that much. Jesus calls us to gorge ourselves on his trust, on trusting in him. Because when we fill ourselves with trust, it leaves no room for that worry and that greed that we are so tempted by. You know, when, when I gorge myself with food at Thanksgiving, I generally don't eat a whole lot the rest of the day. I just don't have room for it. And when you have so much trust in Jesus within you, when you have filled yourself, when you're consumed with the trust you have in God, there's no room left for worry and anxiety and greed. And that's what Jesus is calling us to. Now, let me be very clear. He is not saying, don't have a job. That is not what he's saying. He is not saying be lazy and sit around and just depend on the Lord like he's some uh, socialist system that's gonna provide for all your needs and you don't have to do anything. That's not 
what he's saying, not at all. He does, if you go and read the rest of the Bible, it's very clear that God calls us to work and to be good workers and to have a good work ethic. But what Jesus is saying to us here is instead of worrying about work and food and clothes and all of those things, instead, he's saying that we should focus on trusting him. Allow that trust to be what consumes us and stop worrying about how we're gonna meet our needs. Instead, focus on Jesus and trust him that he will provide for our needs. So it's, again, that battle between trust and worry, trust and worry. Jesus is saying the better way, the, the godly way is to trust and to let worry fade away because that trust takes over. So let's keep reading though. Pick your Bibles up. Turn with me in Luke 12 again. We're gonna pick up in the next verse, which is verse 32. So remember, he's just spoken about not being anxious, that, that anxiety and worry does not help us. And look at what he says in verse 32. He says, fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You see, Jesus calls us not to worry, not to have anxiety, and also not to be greedy, not to hoard. You see, God knows your needs. God knows your thoughts. God knows everything in your life. But let's be honest, we as people, one of our greatest temptations is that striving for more. It's what the last of the 10 commandments addresses. Do not covet. In other words, don't desire after something and obsess about things. Instead, focus on faith. But this is a temptation for all of us. You know, I've heard it said, everyone has a price. And I think that's true. I think everybody, if offered enough money, would probably give in to a temptation or sin. They'd be willing to compromise for something. Maybe there are people that don't live that way, but I think most of mankind do have a price because deep within us, there is a sinful desire to worry about things and to be greedy, to seek after that which we don't have. I'll be honest, I think this is why scams work so well. We worry about things that we hear. We worry about the, the uh, trying to acquire. We worry about making money and we, we want the easy way to make money. We want the quick dollar. And so the scams pull us in and they, they take us, they, they trick us. You know, the prosperity gospel, if you don't know what that is, uh, look it up on Google. Just do a quick Google search for prosperity gospel. You'll find that there is a offshoot of Christianity that is unbiblical, that teaches that if you just declare that something is, then it'll come to pass. If you uh, are truly a good follower of Jesus, if you're, you're in good relationship with him, if you're following him and you're obedient, then you're never going to get sick and you're going to have money and you're going to be taken care of and you'll be comfortable. 
And this is a lie. This is not truth. That's not what the Bible teaches. But so many people are deceived by the prosperity gospel because it's, it appeals to that greedy, sinful desire that we have within us. And so we have to be careful. We have to be careful about wanting because really we're designed by God not to be given things, but to give things. We're not designed to hoard, but, in t- but instead to be generous with all that we have. But Jesus makes it clear that rather than all the things that we could focus on of this world, Jesus says, instead, seek God's kingdom and God will provide all of your needs. God's kingdom is the most important aspect of our life. Think about it for a minute. The average person is gonna live 70 some odd years on this earth. None of us is gonna live over like 120. That's that's the lifespan that God has given us. And the truth of the matter is, is even if you live to 120, even if some miraculous thing happened and you lived far beyond that, that still does not compare to eternity to where you will spend your eternal, either eternal punishment or eternal life. The kingdom of God is eternal life. It's that perfect existence with Jesus rather than the the eternal punishment that we rightly deserve. And let me take a side note here for just a moment. Maybe you're watching and you're going, okay, what does this mean, eternal life and eternal punishment? And, And what's going on here? You see, you and I, every person every born, ever born, we're all sinners. We have all done things in disobedience to God. And, and the comparison here is that as disobedient people, we have broken the law of God. We are criminals and criminals deserve punishment. And so eternally, we deserve eternal punishment because we sin over and over and over and over and over and over through our entire lifetime. But Jesus, the son of God, came to this earth about 2,000 years ago. He lived a sinless life. He never disobeyed God's law. So he was never a criminal. He's the only person who's ever lived who did not sin. And ultimately, at the end of his life, as a sinless person, he was hung on a cross to die for our sins. And since he was sinless, he became sin for us. He took our sins on himself so that we could be forgiven, so that instead of getting what we deserve, that eternal punishment, instead, through Jesus, we get eternal life. We get a perfect eternal existence with Jesus. And then after he died on that cross to prove who he was and to have and declare the victory that he needed over death and sin, he rose from the grave on the third day. He died, he rose from the grave in victory over sin and death. And all he asks in order to receive eternal life instead of eternal punishment, all he asks is that you believe in him and dedicate your life to him, declaring your belief in Jesus, that he died and rose again for forgiveness of our sins. 
And if you're watching right now and you've got questions about that, or maybe you'd like to make a decision, what I want you to do right now is I want you to pull out your device. I want you to text the word CHANGING to 94000. That's the word CHANGING to 94000. We'll have somebody reach out to you and we would love to answer any questions that you have about what this means and help you in the process of deciding whether or not Jesus is the direction you want to go with your life. But one way or the other, God's kingdom is more important than anything. Our minuscule, tiny few years on this earth are nothing compared to eternity. And so if we're, if we're focused on what really matters, that would be where we go for eternity. That's why Jesus in this passage says, build up money bags that will never decay, that will never rot, that will never go away. Store for yourselves treasure in heaven, not here on earth. And so we're called to focus on the kingdom. If we focus on him, if we trust in him, then worry and greed inside of us will wither away because there won't be any room for them. If we're truly focused on what God has for us, if we truly focus on, on God's word and pursuing him and living for him and leading others to the life-changing hope of Jesus, then worry and greed won't have a place. They won't have room in our hearts. And that's what Jesus is teaching us. Now, again, does God want us to provide for our families? Does he want us to save so that we can provide for our children and our grandchildren? Yes, don't misunderstand me. He does want us to care for our family, but the primary focus of our lives is not in making money and saving money. The primary focus is leading every generation to the life-changing hope of Jesus. The focus is on following Jesus and leading others to follow Jesus. That's what's the most important thing. So we're called to be generous with all that we have. Jesus said, sell your possessions and give to those who are needy. Build your wealth in eternity, not here on this temporary earth. So how does this work? What does this look like for you and I? Because I recognize that every single one of you watching right now are in a different place financially and, and things like that in this world. I know that. So let me kind of speak to, to where you may be. You know, some of you watching and listening right now, some of you have abundance. Some of you do have money. Some of you would be considered wealthy by most people. And to you, the message is very clear and simple. Look back to the parable of the rich man who, who decided to tear his barns down because he had all this accumulation and he was gonna build bigger barns to store everything that he had acquired. What was the message there? No, the, the, the acquisition, the excessive acquisition is not God's plan. Instead, God calls us to give to those who are less fortunate than we are, to love on those who are in need. So to those of you who have abundance, who have wealth, live simply, live in generosity, God has blessed you with much so that you can bless others with much. 
He's given you much so that you can give much to others. So if you have abundance, that's your calling. Some of you who are watching and listening right now, you live modestly. You, you wouldn't be considered wealthy by most standards, but you live comfortably. You, you, your bills are paid. There's food on the table. And this message is simple for you as well. As you're able to meet needs with the blessings that you have, be generous and quick to meet those needs. You know, Jesus is clear in, in other places in the New Testament. Jesus is clear that if we have a coat and we see someone who's cold, we're supposed to, out of our blessing, share our coat or give our coat to those who don't have one. If we have food on our table and we see someone that does not have food, then we bring them in and feed them. You, you see, God has given to you so that you can give to others. That's the calling. That's the desire that Jesus has for your life. Be generous and meet the needs of those around you. Some of you are watching or listening right now, and maybe you're struggling financially. Maybe you're not in a place where you're living comfortably. Maybe you struggle to pay the bills. And to you, I would say this, God has still blessed you. You know, it's not financially, it's not with the acquisition of money or possessions, but he has blessed you with other things, with other giftings. Maybe you can't give uh, generously in a financial way, but you can give generously out of the other resources God has given you. He's given you the ability to love and to encourage. And he's given you time that you can go and spend with others to build them up. Use those for Jesus. Uh, no matter where you're at financially, maybe you're uh, the wealthy retiree or maybe you're the successful businessman or maybe you're the blue collar worker who puts food on his table and everything's fine, but you don't have a, a large accumulation. You don't have a, a lot of money. Maybe you're struggling. Maybe you're financially going just paycheck to paycheck and you're wondering how you're gonna pay the next bill. No matter where you're at, God has blessed you with something. God has given you something to go and bless others with. There's always something. If nothing else, we have Jesus. And that, according to this passage, is enough. He will meet your needs. That may not be the way you want your, want your needs met. It may mean sacrifice on your part. But one way or the other, God will provide. God will take care. And let's be honest for a minute. Even if he didn't, we still have Jesus. This life, this existence on earth is nothing compared to eternity. And if you have Jesus, your eternity is already guaranteed. Lean, trust on that blessing. And let me just say on a side note, if you're financially struggling through this season, 
If you're having a difficult time, please reach out to us here at the church. We would love to talk to you about walking with you financially and helping to meet some of those needs and making sure that you're cared for and loved for and that there's food on the table. We want to be a blessing to you as well. And so let us know if that's where you're at. Ultimately, everything we have is from God. Every money, uh, every amount of money, every penny in your account, every uh, dollar in your savings or your retirement, every car, every house, every plate on your table, every chair that you sit in, everything has been given to you by God. It's a blessing from Him. And He wants us to use all of these things to lead every generation to the life-changing hope of Jesus. Our possessions, our money, our time, those belong to God and he wants us to use them for him. So will you trust him and will you use your resources for his purpose? In this Thanksgiving season, more than any other time, I think we should really grasp this. Be thankful for what you have and use what you have for Jesus. Will you join me in prayer? Almighty God, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for this time. And we thank you that you love us and you care for us and that you provide for us. Even if it's not the way that we would want to be provided for, you provide. And Lord, our prayer today is that whether we have abundance, whether we have wealth, or whether we're financially struggling, we pray that you would help us to see the blessings that we do have and how you want us to use those blessings for you. Help us to bless others so that others will know you as their Lord and Savior. Help us to trust you rather than worrying or being greedy. Help us to have so much trust in you that there's no room in our minds and our hearts for worry and greed. Help us to live for you today. We thank you, Lord, and we pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen.